Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Misty. If you're new here, welcome for the very first time. And if you're, um, you've been here for a while, I appreciate you being here. Um, y'all all know that I start out saying this at the top of the podcast. If you're in any type of danger, I don't, we do not want you to listen. I personally want you to put your safety plan into um, effect and um, don't want you to put yourself in any type of danger. So if you are in danger, call 911 and get out of that situation. Um, the number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number is a number for you to reach out if you are experiencing domestic violence and you need to find out where your local shelter is. Maybe you need to talk to an advocate on the other end of the line and get get some form of um, just some comfort from someone, maybe some support. Maybe you need to reach out and figure out what it is um, you need to do. And um, they can also provide safety plans, I believe, and things of that sort so that's a very good resource of information um so um my podcast today is with a a very talented young lady um she um is a survivor of domestic violence she is also the author and illustrator of the road to after um she does a lot of uh, writing and um she is a beautiful soul and if if i've got miss rebecca lowell lowell if I have your right good good if I have your permission we'll start um recording yeah okay great um so yeah we was we was talking right before the podcast and I kept saying her last name wrong so if I mess that up Rebecca I'm so sorry no you're good Good, thank you good um so Rebecca um just kind of briefly um you know you're on the podcast now and I'd love for you to share some of your um survivor story with with the, the audience, you know, and let them know what you've kind of been through and overcame because I, I find your story very fascinating. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and glad to be of any help. Um, I just feel like it's important to talk about these stories so that it helps others talk about their stories. Uh, I think it's really important to do. Um, so, a little bit about my background. Um, so as you said, I'm a survivor of uh, domestic violence and I was uh, held captive for 10 years. And in that, it sounds really extreme, but in that I mean that I wasn't let out in public by myself for a decade. Mm. I couldn't go to the bank. I couldn't go grocery shopping. I The last thing I did completely by myself was finish up some undergraduate classes and that was the last bit of freedom that I really had and even that it wasn't complete freedom because I was asked where I parked the car and who I talked to and so I went alone but I wasn't free Mm. and then after that after I graduated I didn't go out alone again until I left um except I think there was one time that it was I was 
on an errand, but I was badgered, you know, when I came back because I did something wrong. I, I talked to a wrong to a person I talked. Um, so there was one instance where I was um, employed by the abuser's mother and she had to send me on an errand. Other than that, I did not go out alone um, for a decade. And that was really, really hard. Um, it was psychological abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, as all basis spiritual, like all of the kinds of abuses happened in those 10 years. Mm. And I really lost my sense of self. I lost my identity. I basically died to myself where all I did was what he wanted me to do. I thought what he wanted me to think. Um, I dressed the way he wanted me to dress. He cut my hair. He he even would trim, like tweeze my eyebrows to the shape he wanted. I mean, every it was like I felt I felt like I was being made into who he wanted me to be, and I was not myself. Mm. Um, I felt like a puppet. I felt like um, just numb. I was completely numb, and and doing that, I survived because I think if I had not gone numb to my own desires and wishes, if I had not stopped thinking of, well, what do I want? I don't think I could have made it. And I think that survival instinct kicks in and you're not really there. I mean, I don't remember everything because I think it's part of my own protection now is to kind of turn that off um, and not really go back there. So in a sense, writing about it brought up a lot <laughs> but I also think that was good to do too mm-hmm. um so yeah that's a little that's a little nutshell of my situation and I know everybody's is different and everybody's is as important and I would hope that no one experiences um what I did <laughs> right right and so by you talking like this about this you know we never know who may be listening to your story right now and um as yeah. i've as i've been informed um in the past that there are women who listen to the podcast from domestic violence shelters so it's very important through your survival story um and how you were able to you know because you almost had that you know whenever a woman gets kidnapped right and she almost becomes uh, someone else and so she yeah. trauma bonds to her yeah. captor um, yep. they call that Stockholm very mm-hmm, Stockholm syndrome in a, in a, in a yeah. way right yeah yep. Yep. so you know yep. you're just doing everything you know to do to survive right you know and, yep. and at the same time you want nothing more than to make them happy right. that's, that's that's the Stockholm syndrome part of it is that you, you lose everything about yourself and mm-hmm. you become what they want and you want to become what they want because then they don't punish you. Right. And yeah. it, it's just, it's such a mind twist, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it just, you know, I'm nine years out, nine years free, but there's still aspects of that that I have to work through. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we'll ever go away but I think you end up learning how to live despite it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So let yeah. me let me ask you, um, did you ever seek any type of trauma therapy afterwards or, or did you take on your own therapy process? How did you work that out? 
Yeah, so as soon as we left, so I have two daughters, and mm-hmm. when I left, they were four and six years old. And we were immediately, like, wrapped up with, with like, caring arms, and we were, um, we sought help with um, Caring Unlimited, which is York County, Maine's local domestic violence resource center. And they set us up with different resources, and one of those resources was in-home therapy. And so for the first year or so uh, that we had left, we had in-home therapists come visit me in my transitional housing apartment at Caring Unlimited. And they were a part of our life four days out of the week, um, solid, you know, for a long time. And so I had, you know, I, I had support right then and there um, very intensely, not just one hour once a week, you know, it was like they were helping us figure out how to live again. Uh, to set a schedule, which I balked at. I had the hardest time, like, setting a routine because it felt like I was um, being told what to do all over again. So so some aspects of the therapy were helpful and some were not, but they were very flexible. They were like, okay, we don't need to set a schedule. We can work around that. And so we did, and they were, they were very helpful because um, we had a lot of specific needs. Um, and things because of the extreme situations that we had been through. Um, and then after transitional housing, um, when I moved out and we didn't have in-home therapy anymore, um, yeah, I did. I continued with therapy and I still, I still have my own therapist um, and my daughters too. And I think it's important, you know, to have access to therapy and access to someone to talk to because sometimes things just come up and you don't you don't know what to do with it they're big feelings mm-hmm. um so i think it's important to take care of yourself and in, in whatever way that is for you uh, yeah um i i also agree with you um therapy is um you know something to me that's quintessential for women after they've came out of abuse because you know you in, in, in your situation definitely you had to have that um because yeah. you know you had to kind of learn how to live again i mean you had to yeah. to learn how to be independent and be able to handle life situations and be able to be in the yeah. world i mean i could not i can't fathom exactly what you did go through because i wasn't never held in captive that many years um, you know, there was, all, uh, you know, of course, with my abuse, I mean, of course, he kept me isolated. Um, isolation is is something that um, in some abuse cases is a, a must because that's all a part of control. Um, right, and the right. abuser has to have control over his victim. So yep, um, part of the plan. It's part of the plan. Yeah. So in, in, in order to control you, they have to isolate you from any outside interference, because if you get interference outside, well, then you're going to get help and get away from that. And that's their fear. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting that through different experiences, there's so many similarities. Mm-hmm. There's consistent structure and methodology to mm-hmm. like how they do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like, there's a specific step-by-step uh, process and it's like how does it all even though they're done even though each situation is differently how does it all seem so like you know in different aspects um I don't know I don't know but you know it's heartbreaking um that it, that it happens so commonly mm-hmm. so often and I think I I don't remember the statistics, so I shouldn't even quote it, but I do remember it being something very 
staggering and just thinking, you know, that many women walking around on a daily basis are experiencing some kind of abuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not just women, men too, and, and any gender. I mean, it, it, it happens to anybody and everybody, sadly. Yeah. Um, not everybody, but I mean any type of person. It happens to, to all humans across all experiences, and it's right. really sad. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very sad. Um, and so, yeah, and, and men, men are abused, you know, and other genders are abused. And, and, but unfortunately, women are the higher um, statistic when it comes yeah. to abuse, yeah. you know. And, and those are kind of broke down in if different categories, you know, of each and right. individually, you know, each, each, you know, gender or what have you. And so um, we tend yeah. to focus uh, the most concern when it comes to women being abused because women are often um, killed by their abusers in a much alarming rate. Um, And so, you know, it's unfortunate that um, women, women go through this, you know, and, and it's so crazy. I mean, things, things are happening right underneath people's noses too. Like, you know, Sally down the street may be going through this and, and you may not even know it, you know, The neighbor next door may not know that, you know, like what you were going through, you were being held captive. Well, people didn't know what you were going through. Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah, like if, if they saw us at the grocery store together, they just thought, oh, how cute a couple was grocery mm-hmm. shopping together. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that it wasn't my choice right, right. on my part, you know? Right. Um, it's been interesting because as I've been gone, there have been people who have express to me how glad they are that I am not in that situation anymore and that they always had this feeling about him like Mm -hmm. you know at different appointments I was at because I could never go alone if I had a medical meeting he always came it it wasn't very often you know because he didn't like bringing me for any type of medical need because you know at that point I think he knew like trained professionals are I taught to look for what I was going through, and I think he always worried that someone would catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't like, you know, going out in public very often, but he always came if I needed anything. And, you know, some people have come up to me after or sent me kind messages and said, you know, it all kind of has come together for me because they didn't realize they had this feeling, but there was nothing, no proof. You know, it was like they could just tell something was off, but they didn't know what. Um, because they're always a different person in public than they are behind closed doors and what can look you know charming still I think some people do have their sensors out and they're like you know he seems charming but something's off and a lot of people knew but didn't really know they could just tell something Mm -hmm. was wrong Um, so yeah it's true it's like someone could be walking right by and you just don't even know what's going on behind closed doors yeah, and then a lot of times, um, and, oh, go back to statistics. The statistics nationally is one in three women in their lifetime um, will experience domestic violence or some some form of violence yep. in an intimate yep. partner relationship. So those are those statistics. That's guys. staggering. Yeah, it is staggering. One in four. So I'm mm-hmm. glad you knew. Yeah, um, because it's even even less. I mean, it's even more than I thought. Right. So. Yeah. So those are staggering statistics, and um, I think that maybe communities who you know have 
several women in the communities, you know, the, the population of females, just because it's not happening to their 50 to 100 some odd friends, female, they don't see it. They don't think right. about it. They don't feel it because it's not happening to them or someone. It's not affecting someone that they love. So, right. you know, and right. a, it feels like it's distant. It yeah, yeah, like yeah. It feels like it's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe they're not hearing about certain situations because, you know, even if a person does get help through an agency or wherever, you know, we have to keep things, um, you know, very confidential. You know, things yeah. are kept on a confidential level. And so right. that too, you know, people don't want all of their business out. And, you know, you have to respect that also. Um, but right. going back to, I think I was going to say something, but totally for, oh yeah. So if, it, and it's another thing, like I think the last podcast that I just recorded, I had told you about, um, you know, people were going by and seeing this, this happening. Like, it was happening in broad daylight, right? And so, <clears throat> what's really scary is domestic violence can happen in broad daylight and people will just look, look the other way. Or they will be like, well, it's none of my business. I'm not yeah. making this. I'm not making this my business because it's none of my business. This is between husband and wife. Right. Right? So... Yeah. Unfortunately, there's that. Unfortunately, that just perpetuates it. Right, yeah, yeah. So, it almost gives that person permission in a way. They're just like, okay, well, this is my wife. I can do this. It gives them that that much more control over over that situation. Um, And and it's really sad. But it happens. It happens. And, um, you know, a lot of deaths happen, too, because of that. Um, Deaths are happening. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's like go home and work it out sometimes, you know, is what mm-hmm. people are told or what they think they have to do. And there's just no logic. There's no working out when it's abuse. There's no excuse and there's no solution other than leaving sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So um, is there any anything else that you would like to add? Because usually um, we're, we're only in 17 minutes of recording, but um, I would like to say this to you. If there is one thing that you could say to a young lady, maybe who's listening right now to the podcast, what's something that you would say to her um, that would, um, you know, possibly change her life? You know, if she's listening right now and she's going through a hard time and, you know, and it might not be a physical violence relationship. It might be an emotional one. She may be hung in an emotional roller coaster with this person. And right. she just really feels like that there's no way out because maybe her feelings are still, oh, I love him. You know, he's been right. through a lot. Right. Maybe she's making excuses because she's trauma bonded. What are what are some things that you might say? I would say that you do have a choice and that you deserve respect and you deserve love. And that if anyone says they love you, but they treat you with disrespect or with abuse that's not love that is not love at all and that you're not alone you know that there's life on the other side and you may not know what tomorrow brings but the first step of stepping out that door is going to open the door possibility for you and you know when I left I 
I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know where we would go. I didn't know we were going to have an apartment with Caring Unlimited where I wouldn't even have to pay for it because there were resources. I didn't know any of that. And I was scared to death because I had no money. But the community stepped in and things fell in place. And, you know, it's not overnight. You have to be patient and give it time. But I think, number one, have a safety plan because we did have a plan, even though I didn't know it was like we didn't get the apartment until a month later but we had a safety plan of a place to go to right away so just make sure you at least have that first stop plan that far ahead where you have the first stop get yourself safe but after that there is there has to be a little bit of trust in the process Mm -hmm. because you have no way of knowing your possibilities until you open that door and then you can see what can happen um, part, you know, you mentioned my book in the beginning, The Road to After, and part of what has just felt like an impossibility is publishing this book. I was published with uh, Nancy Paulson at Penguin Random House, and the book is for middle grade readers, so it's for kids ages, you know, 8 to 12 or so, um, and it's about recovery from domestic abuse, and while it's not... Um, memoir Mm -hmm. it's based on my personal experience so it is a work of fiction but the platform that I used to have that authenticity was because of my experience and what I went through Um, so I hope that it helps young readers I hope that help I hope that it helps adult readers readers of all ages Um, I've had a lot of adults read it and come up to me and just say that you know it it just gave them such a sense of hope it also creates empathy, you know, for people who haven't gone through this to understand what it's like to go through it. And I, I you know, I'm just really humbled and honored that it happened because there was a point in time where I was told I would never be published. That was by my abuser. He knew what I wanted to do and he told me I'm, I'm never going to be published. And in publishing this book, it's like a, a victory, you know, it's a victory over that statement. Um, and I didn't do it to prove him wrong I did it because I always wanted to but in doing it it's like I broke I broke the power of that statement right definitely yeah Um, so every time you win every time you do something that that person told you you couldn't do and every time you have an accomplishment you're winning you're winning right and so you're winning over that control and over that abuse so kudos yeah. to you, kudos to you, um, Rebecca. I'm so proud that you, you were able to break free from that and that you were able to get out safely with your children and, and that you do have a beautiful life and, and so much life full of hope and, and faith. And, you know, you do some of the most amazing illustrations and your you. your writing is just beautiful. And, and I invite everyone listening to go check out Rebecca Lowville. Um, go check out her work. Um, she is all over the internet. She's on Facebook. Um, she'll tell you a little bit more um, about what she actually is doing. I'm going to let you go yeah. ahead and talk about a little bit about your accolades before we hang up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so I went to Rhode Island School of Design for my bachelor's degree, uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts. And then at the tail end of that degree, was when the abuse started. So from 2003 to 2013, 
was when I was held captive. So at 2014, I went back to school and I got my master's degree from Holland University in children's literature and illustration. And now I get to write and illustrate for kids. I also teach nature journaling. I teach um, fine art. I make patterns. So I'm seeking art licensing with fabric design. Um, and my first picture book comes out. So The Road to After just released in May with Nancy Paulson um, at Penguin Random House. And then my first picture book comes out with Double Day Books for Young Readers in March, and it's called Catching Flight. And it's a poem about birds and freedom using the metaphor of flight. So a lot of my work has to do with freedom, empathy, nature, because nature has been such an important part of my healing. So most of my work is like that. And you can visit and learn more about me at RebeccaLowell.com. So, um, it's like Lowell, Massachusetts, basically. <laughs> oh. So Rebecca is R-E-B-E-K-A-H and then L-O-W-E-L-L.com. Cool, cool. Um, I love it. I love you. I love everything about you and I love what you do. And um, I, you. I love that you're so connected to nature because I love nature myself and I love all of your beautiful um, artwork. I love it. Um, so y'all, yeah, you're so welcome. And you know, it's been an honor to have you on the podcast today, um, talking about what tried to, you know, get you and it didn't, you overcame it. So, you know, and, and I applaud you, um, wholeheartedly for that. And, um, so yeah, but, um, guys go check her out. She's wonderful, but we are going to say goodbye because we are about time's up. And um, I want to end it on a beautiful note. And so I hope you guys have had a wonderful week. And I, have you, I hope you have a beautiful tomorrow. Come back for the next recording of the podcast soon. And um, yeah, go to um, her website. Support her. She is awesome. And go support and promote this podcast episode. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, um, go and support it. And um, I appreciate all of the support and love that y'all give to I'm a Survivor Podcast. I couldn't do this without all of you listening. So I hope all of you come back for the next one. Bye, everyone. Thank you. You're so, you're so welcome, Rebecca. Bye, guys. Bye.